Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Tiffany Hoyd, and you're listening to Hogs Havens Riled Up. On this episode of Riled Up, we have another very, very special guest for you all. Clarence Hill Jr. He's been a beat writer for the Dallas Cowboys since 1997. Hill writes for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram as a senior writer, and he's a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin. Welcome to the show, Clarence. Thank you. How are you doing today in this uh, COVID-19 shutdown for the, what, 100th day, it feels like? (laughs) Day 1062, but I might have my count wrong. (laughs) Right, it's pretty crazy out here, but... I was in New Jersey, and I ran from Jersey when there were only 64 cases of coronavirus, and I ran to California as fast as I could. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. And sports has been shut down, so we've been all shut in anyway. Right, right. And we had something very special happen to us. We had the draft in the sports world. You have been a writer, like I was saying, for the Cowboys since 1997. Uh, before we jump into NFC East and all those nuggets that happened out of the draft. What do you want people to know about Clarence Hill? I want to open the floor for you because you're a guy who's seasoned in this industry. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, uh, I started in, uh, 89, um, with the Kansas city star. I stayed there four years and I left and uh, after, uh, obviously leaving the university of Texas and, and, but I, I left uh, Kansas City Star, came back home, and went to uh, uh, San Antonio and, and did some things out of the business. I got back in business and, and, and went to Victoria in 1993, I think. I think I was the first black reporter ever in this small town in Victoria. Uh, this newspaper, and then I went to Corpus Christi for about 10 months, and I went to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram where I covered high schools and was a lead high school writer for 95 to... 97 and then I was promoted to the Cowboys beat. I've been covering the Cowboys ever since. Uh, you know, I, I got to the Cowboys after the dynasty teams of the 90s. So I, you know, they, they won titles in 92, 93, 95. I came in 97. So I got the retirements of, of the triplets, Troy Emmett and Michael. And, and I've covered the, you know, Quincy Carter years. And I don't know if you remember the Quincy Carter years, but the Tony Romo years and the T.O. years and and all of that other stuff. And the Cowboys have had four playoff wins since I've been covering the team. So uh, it hasn't been uh, the glorious uh, wins as it was in yesteryear. It's been this mediocre, bad to mediocre Cowboys team that's been, you know, if you go to my Twitter profile, I think it says uh, unfulfilled expectations, uh, seven coaches, and, and, and a lot of drama. I think that, 
I've had a very similar experience in my one year with the Washington Redskins. <laughs> yeah, you hear you hear about the grandeur of these two teams, uh, the Cowboys and the Redskins. But like you said, a lot of unfulfilled promise. And this season, I think that at least the Cowboys have an opportunity to make a run for it. Um, Dak Prescott, he showed himself to be limited this season in a lot of ways, but I think that he can still be a promising quarterback um, or is a promising quarterback. Is He can be that guy. What are your thoughts on Dak Prescott's development? I, I would say that he was not limited this year. This year, actually, he, he kind of had his best season. The rookie year was, you know, obviously it was out of nowhere, and it was the most efficient season, but he only threw for 18 touchdowns, I think, or something like that. And, and certainly they were led by Zeke, and, and, and that was more of a, you know, let's – Let's, let's manage the game and, and use the run and dominate the ball and play good defense. This year, you know, Dak Prescott has grown so much as, as a quarterback in, in, in the last two years that, that, that his arm, uh, his passing, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 4,900 yards. They had two receivers that went over 1,000 yards. They had a running back that went over 1,400 yards. Uh his accuracy, his anticipation has grown so much. No, this past season was his best season. It's one reason why Dak Prescott's on the, getting ready to, to break the bank. Dak Prescott's going to be the highest paid quarterback in football whenever it's, whenever they sign him to a contract. And it will probably be short lived because you know Patrick Mahomes is, going, is coming up and 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 what Deshaun Watson is coming up. But but Dak Prescott is getting ready to get broke off uh, by the Cowboys in a big way. Um, they're committed to him as their, as their franchise quarterback of the future, uh, or, or as a, as of the present and the future. Uh, McCartney, uh, the new coach Mike McCarthy, is sold on him. Uh, so no, Dak Prescott had his best year, and he has a chance to get better under Mike McCarthy. Right. And why do you think they franchise tagged him and they didn't end up? Giving him oh, that big contract this year. Well, it, it, it takes two to tango, you know, and it's then almost like the Kirk Cousins thing. But you know, you you you, Dak and his agent are not going to take uh, less money, and 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 so they couldn't get a deal done, so they had to franchise tag him to maintain his rights. So they weren't going, they weren't not playing with Dak Prescott. They weren't going to let him get to the free agent market. So the way you you know make sure you have him on your team. And he will be with the Cowboys next year, uh, is to put the franchise tag on him, and so you can continue to negotiate. And the Cowboys have placed the franchise tag on, on a number of players before, but they, at some point, come to terms on a long-term agreement. They did the same thing with Des Bryant a couple of years ago. He got his uh, long-term agreement in July, you know, right before the start of training camp. The Cowboys went to July 15th to negotiate a long-term agreement. Uh, if they don't get one done, then he would have to play on the tag this year. But the goal is to continue to negotiate, to continue to get one done. I mean, the Cowboys have have actually the Cowboys have actually uh, come up on offer twice since they placed a tag on him. They've come up on offer twice, so that can guy being smart because every time they say no, the Cowboys raise their offer. So uh, this is just negotiating. This is not an issue of the Cowboys not wanting to pay him, not trying to pay him. You know, they've offered him uh, money that will. You know, equal Russell Wilson as the as the all time you know as the highest paid quarterback in football. The issue they have right now is length, contract length. That's that's what you know the impasse is about. 
Dak wants a four-year deal. You look at all the new deals that have been signed. They've been four-year deals. They've been shorter deals, including Russell Wilson's deal and, and, and some others that were just recently signed. Uh, the Cowboys want a longer deal so they can manage the money uh, across the salary cap. And so that's where the impact is more than anything. It's not about them not wanting to pay him. They want to pay him. And that brings me to another question regarding the NFC East, the quarterback situation in the NFC East. You have to say that Dak being hit with a franchise tag is a little glaring. And then also with Carson Wentz in Philly, the grab of Jalen Hurts in the second round, which is very high, considering you just gave this man $100 million. And then you have Daniel Jones, and we all know how Everyone looked at his pick in the first round. And then you have Dwayne Haskins and his development under Ron Rivera. Is Ron Rivera going to go with Haskins? What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation in the NFCs? Well, I mean, you, 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 you would say that at least three teams have the quarterbacks of the future, you know, and they believe in the quarterback of the future. And those are the, the Cowboys, Philadelphia, and the Giants. Now, you know, uh, the Redskins certainly drafted Dwayne Haskins, but that was under a different regime. You know, what Ron Rivera wants, how he sees Dwayne Haskins, and has yet to be seen. You know, especially, you know, obviously with talking to him, you know, as recent as yesterday, you know, talking about possibly considering Cam Newton at some point. Right. You know, so there still has to be something there. You know, he has to prove it to his new coaching staff. And, and so there's some questions there, even though when Dwayne Haskins was drafted, everybody had him top 10, top 15 player in the draft. You know, he was considered of that ilk. But, again, uh, things didn't go as it should have gone last year and how how, they, how, they, how things came out with him with the Redskins. And certainly, again, you got a new regime, and so they may want their own guy, may have different thoughts on this guy. But, you know, the Giants, they believe in Daniel Jones. They're, they coach the – GM, you know, they're all in on Daniel Jones. Uh, certainly the Philadelphia's, you know, believes in Carson Wentz. It was interesting that they took the quarterback they took in, in the draft, but Carson Wentz has the injury history, you know, and, and, and remember Philadelphia was the team that went to the Super Bowl after their quarterback in the MVP season went down and they had to use a backup that led them to the Super Bowl. So they got a history with a strong backup quarterback and continue having continued success with a backup quarterback. So I think that speaks more to them trying to make have a strong backup situation with uh, more so than them trying to use that pick to put any pressure on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, you know, when he's healthy, he's as good as any. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his career. And so they're, they're trying to keep that situation strong. And, and you know how I feel about the Cowboys and their feelings regarding Dak Prescott. They're they're all in on Dak Prescott. They don't have a good backup quarterback situation, but Dak Prescott has never missed a start in his NFL career. Yeah, he is if he's done anything, it's definitely showed showed the Cowboys and the league that he can be healthy and continue to continue to play throughout an entire season. Whereas Carson Wentz is kinda up in the air on whether he's gonna be able to finish. Yeah, I mean that that's that that's part of it. And and you know, uh you know Availability is important, you know. Talent is important, but but availability is important. And, and, and when you pay guys the money that they're paying them, you want them to be on the field. And, and so, you know, Dak is a big, strong, you know, quarterback who, who's been available. And, and again, it started every game 
since his rookie year. And so that's important. Talented as Carson Wentz is, he has not been able to stay on the field. And, you know, again, Carson Wentz has yet to win a playoff game, you know. And so uh, th- those are all factors when you when you look at the quarterback at the hierarchy, you know, whether obviously the, the top two quarterbacks in the division, if you're going to rank them, are going to be Carson and Dak. And, and, you know, obviously Eagles fans are going to say Carson and Cowboy fans are going to say Dak. And, 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 and this is something that, that, you know, and it's funny because they both came out in the same draft. Carson went to, you know, was a top two pick. Dak right. was in the fourth round, you know. Carson was expected to be as good or, or be at this point. Dak was, you know, was supposed to be a developmental quarterback picked in the fourth round, and so he kind of came out of nowhere. But, you know, since his rookie season, they have been compared to each other because they were rookie starters. And, you know, that that's part of this, the beauty of this Philadelphia Cowboys rivalry is, is, you know, the history of it and even going forward that you're going to be able to compare these quarterbacks throughout their career. And that brings me, you said rivalry. The NFC is full of rivalries because I think that all these teams have such rich histories of winning and like, it might, maybe not Super Bowl wins because I think that some teams, it might be, they might be an outlier in that. But as far as like winning those, those big time games, those, whether it's D-Jack running it back from the one yard line or from out of the end zone with the Eagles, uh, the Cowboys, rich tradition and history, even back to, the Tony Romo years where it might not have been a playoff win, but he got some um, regular season wins that were pretty spectacular. Yeah, the thing about the NFC East is they're, you know, it's, it's an East Coast-based division. And, and to, to understand the, the power of the NFC East, you got to understand that, that the Cowboys, when, when they built this division, when they were building the NFL, um, the Cowboys GM, Tex Ram, wanted the Cowboys to be in the NFC East because they wanted to be playing in New York. They wanted to be playing in D.C. They wanted to be playing these big television markets. And, and their, most of their games are always at 3 o'clock, you know, because you've got these big television right. markets. And, and so that, that, that helps the visibility. And, and so that was important to the Cowboys because, like, how the Cowboys in the East? You're in Dallas. <laughs> you got these you – know, everybody else makes sense, and the Cowboys don't make sense. But that was the ingenious part of, you know, when, when, when Tex Ryan was building way before your time, he was building America's team. Uh, and make, trying to make the Cowboys into America's team, you know, that was strategic. Putting the Cowboys in the sea so they could be in New York, they could be on the East Coast, they could be, you know, in prime time, you know, and and, and certainly all the division, all their their quarterbacks, all the teams are always at three o'clock. So you know, it's just a it's just a different thing. So yeah, they they have big games, they play in big games, but they're always in prime time, and I was in in, in big time. So except the Redskins of late, the Redskins have been. A noon star. They don't get the, the three yeah. o'clock games, you know. They, cause, you know, they haven't won. But uh, they, you know, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and Giants certainly are, are always there. Well, with that being said, I think the Cowboys. I mean, I think the Cowboys did the best out of the NFC East for draft. I want to get into the draft grade. How do you think everyone did? But uh, a lot of people have said the Giants are second. But I think the Redskins kind of cleaned up for that second spot. What are your thoughts on the draft grades? You know, uh, again, we, we won't know how they did until they play. You know, and, and obviously uh, you can you can draft well based on what we think of them. But, you know, they still had to get on the field and play. And this, this draft has been littered with, with, with a lot of draft busts. You know, and there, there's, there's so much talk of, uh, you go back to the Miss Trubisky draft and the, the top five picks in that draft, you know, you know, only one that's, you know, it, it's been awful. And, and the only one that's, that's 
guaranteed to get his fifth year option is uh uh get Miles Garrett out of Cleveland. And 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 as great as he is, you know, he he's he has a mar on his name right now because of how his season ended. So right. it, it, it it's certainly, you know, interesting to, to, to judge a draft that weekend a draft but you know, you really won't know until three years later. But just on paper, I, you know, the Cowboys to me, and I've you know, you look at all the grades and you know, Washington Post everywhere else. You know, they got an A plus for for what they did, and and it wasn't just the players, but the value of the players. They got them where they should, you know, uh, in in great spots, and they got great value with the pick, starting with CD Lamb, who was ranked sixth on their board and in the top ten on a lot of boards, and they got him at seventeen. And you know, you go back to Trayvon Diggs and all the way down. You know, Trayvon Diggs, a lot of people had him in the first round. They got him with 51, you know, and, and so all the way down, they got picks that were, you know, valued or much higher than, than where they picked them. And, and, and they didn't necessarily reach for guys and as they've done in the past. You know, it's one of the big stories out this week was their 2017 first-round pick, Taco Charlton, who was a bust in Dallas, who went right. to Miami last year and just got cut by the Dolphins. And on draft day, we knew that was a reach. Yeah. Uh, he was, you know, he was picked because he fit their scheme, not because he was the best player on the board, and, and so that was a mistake. And so they didn't make those mistakes of picking guys who fit a scheme necessarily, that, and necessarily didn't have a talent to be picked at that position. So, you know, that that's one we one way why one reason, excuse me, you know, why their draft was graded high. And, and you go down, and you, certainly you like what the Giants did, you know, getting an offensive lineman and, and trying to build. Uh, that you know that team up and you know they got the quarterback last year and then let, let's get some guy somebody to protect him and, and that's what they did and and how can the Redskins go wrong with, with where they were picking and you picked that high Chase Young was considered by many to be the best player in the draft you know he just wasn't a quarterback which is why he didn't go first but he he, he was the best player in the draft and, and and you can't miss with that and 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 certainly going back to the Eagles and and they you know are coming in fourth because. You know, you just don't pick your quarterback that high when you have so many needs, and and mm-hmm. and, and you do have a quarterback, and and really they didn't get the receiver they wanted. They got a receiver, but they were targeting uh, C.D. Lamb, and the Cowboys beat them to the point for C.D. Lamb. Right. Well, I think that I, I think I saw C.D. Lamb not dropping that low. I think but that, yeah, nobody it, did. But <laughs> yeah. once he started dropping, you know. That who that's who the Eagles were targeting. They thought they were going to get Ceedee Lamb, you know. And they, and I don't think, you know, the Cowboys figured. Nobody thought the Cowboys would pick a receiver. You know, they just paid um, Mark Cooper a hundred million dollars, probably a hundred million dollar deal. They got Michael Gallup on the come. They lost their third receiver. You know, I mean, certainly we thought saw the Cowboys getting a receiver in the draft at some point, but no one saw them getting one in the first round. I think the Eagles thought that okay, he's dropping, he's going to drop to us. You know, we we're trying to move up. But uh, they didn't see the Cowboys taking, and they thought the Cowboys would focus on defense, as we all thought was their right. primary need, but they just took the best player. Well, I think the Cowboys' need for the last, at least since for most of my life, the Cowboys' need has been secondary uh, because they pick a lot of guys in the secondary that don't pan out. Um, but Jerry Jones made a great – I think he made a great decision in picking Ceedee Lamb because offensively the Cowboys are the powerhouse – you guys, you guys have that together in the NFC East and for much of the league, especially with Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. Those those three mixed with CeeDee Lamb wearing number 88 
he's supposed to be poised to be the next the next superstar of the Dallas Cowboys. You guys definitely, in my opinion, did the right thing in this draft. Uh, I see what you're saying with Taco and not making poor decisions and, and making the, those more solid picks. But all in all, I think the Cowboys have always been pretty great at drafting guys who are able to stay in the program, except at that um, that DB position. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've drafted well. I mean, the foundation of the team has been their draft picks. When you look at, you know, from Tyron Smith to, to Ezekiel Ellis, to Dak Prescott, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, they've drafted well. Uh, but, you know, last couple of years, you know, they were forcing need because they were trying to improve that defense. And, and again, that, that's what they didn't do in this draft. They just continued to draft the best player. And, and uh, yeah, you if you can't get the defense, then let's get an offense to score 35, 40 points a game. You know, that's how we're going with CeeDee Lamb going with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and, and Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. You know, they had the number one offense in terms of yards last year. Uh, and this only helps them. I mean, they lost Randall Cobb and Amari Cooper. I mean, not Amari Cooper, but uh, uh, CeeDee Lamb is going to replace Randall Cobb in the slide and be a younger, faster more dangerous version of what they had. Uh, so, you know, if, if you, you you can never go wrong taking good players. And Cal- the Cowboys took the best player on their board by far at the time, and that's only going to help the offense, and that will help the team as a whole. Likewise, with the Redskins, I think that Chase Young was the guy we had to pick. Um, but I was someone who was pulling for, in the beginning, before the draft happened, what the Giants did picking all those offensive linemen but you brought up a great point where the future of Dwayne Haskins under Ron Rivera we don't really know where it's going to go or how long this relationship is going to last but it's always a safe bet to go with offensive linemen and I think that's why the Giants make that play for number two there's no question and, and again that's what you know when when, when you know obviously it, it's, it's a smart move by any organization but you know, Jason Garrett, the former Cowboys coach, is now the uh, Giants offensive coordinator, and, and, and certainly he's in lockstep with his new head coach. But when, when he started trying to rebuild the Cowboys, when he took over the Cowboys, his first pick was the left tackle of Tyron Smith. And, and he's been the anchor of what has grown to be one of the best offensive line in football, if not the best offensive line in football over the last much of the last decade. And, and he's going to try to continue that up in New York with a new quarterback. You want to give him to protect. You want to protect that quarterback. And and, and certainly, you want to invest in the offensive line. That's what the Giants did. That's a smart move. Especially with Nate Solder there. I think that that's a vet who has done it time and time again. And with those young guys, he is that anchor. Yeah, for, for sure. You know, and, and again, it's not it's not just getting one or two. You know, you know, Cowboys, you know, had four first-round picks on the offensive line. Or, or first four first-round talents and a second-round talent offensive line. That, that, that's been the foundation of the success they've had, you know, over the last few years, and you, you just, you know, is you, you got to get a number of guys up there to to, to, to be good. And you, you, you got Saquon Barkley. You, you got the quarterback. Uh, get some guys that, that can get open holes and protect them and, and, and be the foundation of any success you want to have. For the Redskins, um, we got Chase Young, but we also ended up getting what our needs were last year. Um, we got a lot of wide receivers out of this draft. So we went right receiver and then we went offensive lineman. We got a few in there. Um, I think that the wide receivers that we got, they have time. The, the good thing about getting the wide receivers we got is they have a little bit of time to develop because we ended up getting 
a solid wide receiver in Terry McLaurin out of last year's draft. And then Steve Sims Jr. has popped up as a surprising talent for us on that wide receiver core for us. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the rescue have some players. I mean, and, and, and I, again, you have the wide receivers. I really like the defensive line. You know, you got those right. boys, and, you, you know, that, that defensive line, you know, you add Chase Young to, to a, a, a fearsome a, a group up front. And, and, and so that that's a talented group. That That's going to be the foundation for, for any success to have on defense. And, yeah, Terry McLaurin had a great year uh, coming out as a rookie last year. thought he was that good. And, and going to have that type of impact as a rookie, and certainly you have they, they've tried to bolster that in, in this year's draft. And you know, again, it, it's it's all incumbent on, on the quarterback play, you know, and how much he can develop or or who can who they will develop a quarterback to 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 lead them. Uh, Cam Newton would be a great option, you know, if, if they want to go in that direction. Right now, Cam Newton, a healthy Cam Newton, you know, if he's healthy. You know, he, he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, the question is, can he stay healthy? That's very true. I actually thought that the Chicago Bears were going to try and make a play for Cam Newton. It, it's still young. They can still get him, but I thought they'd have him by now. The Bears traded for Nick Foles. And, right. And, and, and the problem with Cam is that, you know, they didn't let him go until uh, a lot of teams already made the decision. I, I think that to a certain extent, Carolina did Cam a disservice about of waiting so long to to release him, and they claimed they were trying to trade him, but they waited so long to release him that 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 the Bears and some other teams made some decisions at quarterback, and and sort of that 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 dried up some of the market for Cam, and then the fact that the COVID nineteen came out, and teams really couldn't bring him in to to give him a physical and see how healthy he was. It's one thing for you to say you're healthy, but you know considering so much is riding on this and the injuries he had a couple of years. Most teams would like to have their doctors, you know, give them a workout. I mean, work up right. to a certain extent and, and see what the situation is before committing those dollars to him. That's very true. But I think that Cam has shown himself, at least in the history of his career, I think he's going to be able to bounce back. And and if he is able to bounce back in the way I think he will, he really changes the game for a lot of these teams that find themselves – not making the playoffs, like the Redskins. Like, that's another piece to the puzzle. Even, like, I know we have Daniel Jones over at the Giants, but Cam Newton with that wide receiver core for the New York Giants, along with Saquon Barkley? Oh, yeah, yeah. The question is, you know, my thing with Cam is that, again, he has been healthy for much of his career, but he hasn't been healthy for the last two years. And, you know, at this advanced age and, and, you know, at least for other teams and, and for these GMs and, and these teams as they go forward, you know, they just want to see him healthy before they commit, you know, and, and they want to see him healthy for an extended period of time. The Giants, not the Giants, but Carolina thought he was going to be healthy coming into last year, and he wasn't, and he didn't do what was necessary to get his, get his body right, which to me was a disappointment because he was hurt in, in 2018, and he didn't have surgery in, you know, during the off season, and he went into 2019 and, and, and got hurt again and, and was forced to have surgery. And, and to me, all of that should have been taken care of before 2019. It should have. Uh, but I wanted to discuss something else with you that I've seen in a lot of these teams that have created success. And this is something 
that I know the Redskins have been able have not been able to meet and the Cowboys they've been good at this but I think that they can be a little better um identifying guys from non-power five schools in the draft to draft in order to meet like I, I looked at it and it's something like most teams who win in this league have about 20 to 24 players on their roster who didn't go to non didn't go to power five schools so these are developmental schools and these players have come in and made impact or at least been there to um be those secondary guys to lift the team can you tell me like what are your thoughts on that selecting non-power five players in the draft in the draft you know i you know and i guess there's a there's a you know, there's non-power five and there's then, then there's division one division you know whatever they call them now uh, Division One AA or Division yeah. Two type players and stuff like that. I know the Cowboys and a lot of schools. You know, right now they have a big school philosophy and they try to take guys from Power Five schools, big schools who, who who've gone against big competition and 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 and, and competed on that level. Uh, as far as the guys that they target in the draft, uh, but yeah, you can you can find gems everywhere. You know, and, and, and certainly you talk about guys being found in the later rounds, but you can find gems at Memphis and and, and, and different schools like that. And, and, and certainly you go back into uh, the history of black college ranks and, and, and guys being who have been able to come out of there and and make big impacts. The uh, coach drafted linebacker out of South Carolina State who, who's been awesome. You know, and right. and, uh, and 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 so he got overlooked. You know, and, and but 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 he he he's been awesome, and he's and, a monster. Yeah, he, he's definitely a monster. So you know, I, I think that the best teams keep their eyes open for talent, no matter where it comes from. Uh, but it's you know the problem is is that those guys generally aren't going to be picked at the top of the draft. You know, it's most likely they're going to be picked. You know, in in the later rounds and the free agent round, they have to make their way. You know, up the roster, but. Yeah, they, you know, you can still find gems at smaller schools. You can still find gems outside the top, uh, outside the Power Five. You can still find gems at the HBCUs. Yeah, you can find gems at the HBCUs. And one thing we missed out on was the HBCU Combine, another thing that COVID-19 stalled. So a lot of those guys are still free agents right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, that. Again, you know that was something new that they were installing this year or implementing this year with 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 HBC Combine to give guys like that opportunity who weren't uh, going to the uh, NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis who didn't get get those invitations. It was a chance to give those guys an opportunity. They didn't get that this year, but it's a program that's being put in place that should benefit guys in coming years. You know, it it just it went away this year for COVID. But it's been implemented. It's going to be happen, and so the HBCU guys in coming years will have that opportunity. And is there anybody that you wish the Cowboys had gotten out of this draft? You know, uh, no. You know, uh, again, once you couldn't, you know, I, I think that they would have if C.J. Henderson, the cornerback, would have dropped from from Florida. Right. You know, he went he went to Jacksonville. I think number number nine. He was a guy that was targeted. It would have been an interesting conversation, you know, between him and C.D. Lamb at that point because they they definitely. You know, needed a cornerback to replace Byron Jones, but outside of that, there, there was really nothing. You know, uh, that was just screaming at them that they had to take that they missed out on. Again, when you're 17, you know, when you're picking later in the draft, you know, you, you're kind of drafting 
you know, based on what's available to you, you know, and you can't really target a certain guy because you, you have to live with who picks in front of you, you know, and, and what, what they decide to do and what's left on the board. So, no, there, there's no one that, that jumps out and says they should have gotten that guy or that guy. You know, you just got to let your board come to you and, and pick the best guys available at the time. McCarthy and Ron Rivera, the two new coaching additions, um, the two major coaching decisions, changes for the NFC East. How do you think both of them will fare this year? McCarthy had success at Green Bay. I actually thought it was interesting that they ended up firing him. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on McCarthy at the Cowboys now? Well, McCarthy is a veteran coach. You get a coach who's had success in another place, and, and whether he's worn out his welcome, got fired, he gets a restart in the new city and, and, and gets to, you know, bring a championship or, or take that team for championship. Again, I, I think what the Cowboys are trying to do and what formula for the Kansas City Chiefs, who brought in Andy Reid after, you know, so much success in Philadelphia, but it, it got stale to a certain extent. They decided to go in a new direction. He was the guy who was motivated in a new start uh, to, to want to reclaim his image and, and want to reclaim his, you know, his standard as a coach, and he finally got them to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl last year. And, and certainly Mike McCarthy in Dallas after, you know, Jerry Jones targeted a veteran coach. He wanted a veteran coach, a veteran coach who had won before, who had proven a proven track record. Uh, McCarthy has a Super Bowl title on his resume. He has a proven track record of success in Green Bay. He has sat out all year trying to reinvent uh, himself to a certain extent and, and come up with ways when he did, did get the opportunity that he was going to be better than he was before, and then the Cowboys believe they will be a benefit of that. He is a better coach. He has a better coaching history. He has a better coaching staff than they have with Jason and Garrett. If you look at the Cowboys, they were 8-8 eight eight last year. They failed. They didn't make the playoffs because they didn't win a lot of close games. You can put that on the coaching staff, and the decision made by the coaching staff. The Cowboys believe they are better as head coach and with the coaching staff and the coaching decisions than they were last year, so they believe they're already ahead of the game. The same way with the Redskins, you know. They they got a proven one. They got a proven head coach. They they went after. They were the first ones out the gate to a certain extent in in, in finding a new coach. And, and and they got Ron Rivera, who is respected across the league. And you know he's a guy who who's going to bring some stability uh, and some common sense to a Redskins organization that has not always uh, done that and, and made decisions in that respect. Sure, sure. I, I want to leave the conversation there. Thank you. That's that's amazing. I think that Ron Rivera and McCarthy are, like you said, those are guys who are proven. They Both these teams used a formula like the Kansas City Chiefs, got coaches that were seasoned like Andy Reid, and they're just looking for those coaches to seize opportunity. Uh, but I want to thank you for coming on the show, Clarence. Uh, no problem, man. Thank you, and continue your success, and, and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, likewise to you. Thank you for being uh, the standard. I appreciate it. And you can follow Clarence on Twitter at Clarence Hill Jr. That's correct, right? Yeah, follow me on Twitter. Now you, you get me, you get all of me. You don't just get Cowboys and NFL. You get some social justice and you get some funny stuff and and, and, and my musical interest and everything else. So I'm, I'm not just a scene here. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being a subscriber and a listener of Riled Up. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to Riled Up. We are Riled Up to bring you the hottest risk in topics with a twist. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at TTA Legend. That's T-T-A-L-G-E-N-D. 
and remember to stay riled up.